Welcome to a special edition of the Activist Insight podcast, where we will be discussing our half-year review 2020 in association with Ocean Froome Woloski. The eagerly anticipated Activist Insight monthly half-year review gives you comprehensive insights on the first six months of the year from our editorial team, alongside commentary on an unprecedented proxy season from Ocean, FTI Consulting, Moro Sadali and Greenbook Communications. In today's show, we are joined by Activist Insight Editor-in-Chief, Josh Black. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks, nice to be back. So Josh, why was this an unprecedented proxy season and what were the effects of the coronavirus pandemic on activism? Obviously, everything about this year was unprecedented. The impact of the virus and everyone working from home, uh, annual meetings having to go virtual, stock market crash towards the end of March, followed by the recovery. All of these things were things that people had to grapple with and understand in real time. The impact of all of these things were very hard to predict, certainly nothing you could take for given. It forced out some arguments about the value of activism with some defence advisors saying that it would be a poison pill for activism or that this should encourage institutional investors to vote against corporate raiders. And defenders of activism saying that actually now was a good time to keep companies accountable. Yeah, If you had an underperforming or inadequate management team going into the crisis, then you really needed a stronger team to get out of it. And in terms of the data, we saw a big fall in a number of campaigns, everything from M&A activism to balance sheets activism to board campaigns were well down on previous years. But you know, in other respects, maybe it wasn't as unprecedented as you might think. The number of campaigns that we saw in the first half of this year were roughly equivalent to 2015 levels of activism. There was a period you know, in the seven years that I've been covering activism where there were less campaigns in the first half of the year. So it certainly wasn't a let-off for companies. There were plenty of activist campaigns. There were quite a few proxy contests. There were more proxy contests in the US that went to a vote this year than last year, which was a historically low number. Even some of the big-name activists were launching lots of campaigns and proxy sites. Balance sheet demands, you would think, would be incredibly low, and certainly they've been heading downwards for the past few years. But, you know, in fact, they were in line with the sort of 2015 to 2017 period, partially because, you know, there was the added issue of campaigning against equity assurances or campaigning to shore up balance sheets. So activism was something that a lot of people had to focus on, ourselves included. And what was the most surprising trend that the report picked up on? I think the most surprising trend was the number of board seats that activists won, particularly in the US. So activists won 136 board seats in the first half of 2020, most of them through settlements, as you'd expect, but a very healthy number through proxy contests. As that compares to previous years, it's higher than the first half of 2017 and 2019, where you had 132 board seats won. It's a bit lower than 2018, where you had nearly 200. I mentioned that proxy contests were actually pretty strong this year partly because last year was a very weak year, but also I think because a lot of activists who had run campaigns last year and maybe settled or won a minority of the board actually came back a second time and wanted to advance control slates. And those activists actually did very well. And I think that's evidence for 
you know, in some cases, the enhanced kind of seriousness of the environment brought on by COVID-19, leading institutional investors to support wholesale change this year. Some advisors told us that actually the pandemic brought forward a lot of settlements that may otherwise have taken a bit longer to iron out. And that probably meant that activists were given slightly more seats in some instances than they would otherwise have because it was so necessary to settle. In many cases, I think both sides know what they're likely to settle for. And I think it's just generally surprising that activists were so successful at the ballot box in a year where we went from never having had a virtual contested meeting to suddenly having to have 13 of them. One of the points that our half-year review brings out, and in particular that Olshan through Moloski argue in the review, is that virtual meetings went incredibly well. And the procedures that were agreed upon by both sides actually meant that these went smoothly and there weren't any issues around the collection and the tabulation of votes. And then what do you think the second half of 2020 then has in store? Well, the second half of any year is typically a bit quieter because proxy season, advance notice bylaws, lack of special meeting rights and the preponderance of annual meetings tend to bring out activism in the first half of the year. But there were always some variations. So in the UK, where you have special meeting rights, you see 75 to 90% as many companies and publicly subjected to activist demands is in the first half of the year. You know, in Canada, you see fewer board campaigns overall in the second half of the year, but you see more proxy contests because they have special meeting rights. In the US, you generally have less activism, you know, including M&A activism, which I think is the one thing that people are really expecting to come out of the pandemic because there has been a hold on M&A because some firms are still struggling. Others have cash and equity to employ, and there's, you know, this wave of private equity money that has been talked about for years. So, you know, I think everyone is expecting more M&A activism. That would be fairly historic because it's kind of unusual, but there is nothing to stop shareholders coming out and saying this company should be sold, this company should review alternatives. And we've started to see some examples of that. Senator and Kanaya Holdings have formed this really unusual partnership between an activist and a listed company uh, pursuing a takeover bid for CoreLogic. They could call a special meeting by the end of July. So people will be watching that, I think. And if that model is successful, contains a nod to some campaigns that have not worked in the past, but is substantially different, then you, you could see more people trying to replicate that and certainly more people trying to push for the sale of companies as M&A begins to pick up. You know, one other thing I would mention is that we've seen some activists raising capital. You know, a particular favorite tactic at the moment seems to be raising special purpose acquisition companies or SPACs, um, also known as blank check companies. Pershing Square Pontine is due to be listed very shortly. could be the largest SPAC ever and could bring a $10 billion company public. You know, that's not activism as we know it, but it, it may be a kind of strategic shift from activist firms. We'll start to see activists start to build stakes. The 13F deadline on August 15th will give us an insight into what activists were buying during the second quarter, which is when the market really started to recover. It will be interesting to see what they held at the end of June. And whether they've opted for a wholesale portfolio shift in response to the change in valuations or whether they've doubled down on positions they're more confident in 
Hello, Kieran here. Just a quick note to say the podcast is now on Instagram, where you'll find short clips if you're on the move. Follow us at Activist Insight Podcast, and don't forget to join the conversation by using the hashtag Activist Insight Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Plus, there's details for you about Poison Pills, company bylaws and incumbent and historic directors on Activist Insight Governance. That's one of our five subscription modules. As always, you can enjoy a free trial by visiting activistinsight.com. Now, back to the podcast with Josh Black. So we've spoken about the second half of the year in the US, but how about outside of it? Activism in the US kind of came back more strongly than it did in places like the UK, where it's effectively halved. I think there's a lot of expectation that that market is right for activity to pick up, moving out of uh, lockdown faster. And, you know, there's every chance that companies will come back to to work on full steam and we'll have to address certain liquidity constraints. We'll have to address Brexit later in the year. And there could be a lot more volatility and a lot more opportunity for activists to deploy capital and make demands there. Japan is an interesting area. Had a slightly less active proxy season than last year. We have seen years where Asia is as busy uh, in the second half of the year as in the first half. There's every potential that, you know, with hedge funds still being so bullish on Japanese equities, we could see another wave of activism in Japan, maybe towards the end of the year going into next proxy season. Then, of course, you've got Australia, which has a proxy season later in the year. We've got less visibility on whether there's going to be a sort of sudden explosion of activism there. There's some evidence that the virus is kind of making a bit of a comeback in Australia, so that may dampen this proxy season. But companies there and their advisors also have to benefit of seeing how the northern hemisphere coped with proxy season during the coronavirus so that could be interesting to watch and finally beyond the half year review you've recently written a lot about poison pills what research has activist insight done on the subject and why is it important yes yeah, so we have written a lot about poison pills over the course of the pandemic and particularly recently obviously we started off noting the incredible number of poison pills coming to around 55 by the end of june and then you know as they kind of started to circle we started to look in more detail and notice the variation between the pills you know we had 48 companies adopt pills with triggers lower than 20% of their outstanding shares. 24 of those companies made allowances for passive investors to hold a greater proportion of the stock than activists loosely defined. You know, we had some slow hand poison pills, 5% threshold pills that weren't operating loss pills. You know, so we've seen a lot of different variations, which some advisors will tell you is a response to different circumstances and different requirements. Yeah, there's also clearly uh, some opportunism. While lots of your peers are adopting pills, you can probably push the envelope slightly more. And I think institutional investors largely gave these companies a pass during proxies and knowing that this was an unusual, unforeseen, unprecedented event. So they got a pass, they got to enact their poison pills question mark over whether in future companies take that example and continue some of these trends. But, you know, even more pressing, I think, is what happens if there's a resurgence of the coronavirus that impacts on the stock market. 
many of these companies expected their stocks to stay depressed, which would make them vulnerable. The stocks have subsequently risen. If there's a second wave or you know, a second jolt to the stock market, they may not be able to renew these pills without a shareholder vote. And they've put them to a shareholder vote. That will raise the question of whether institutional investors should have been so lenient in the first place. If they choose not to put them to a shareholder vote, they're likely to get adverse recommendations from proxy voting advisors and adverse voting. They may call for special allowances, you know, on the grounds that there's a health crisis and they need to protect themselves. So, you know, it'll be interesting to watch what arguments companies make. You know, they need these poison pills in the future. Then again, things may very quickly return to normal and the poison pills may not be an impediment to M&A. They certainly won't be an impediment to activism. And you can access the report by clicking on the link in the description. And if you like what you hear or want to read more, you can subscribe to Activist Insight Monthly by emailing subscriptions at activistinsight.com. If you want something discussed on a future edition, please email press at activistinsight.com or use the hashtag activistinsightpodcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Please do rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you are using to help others access our reporting. I'm Kieran Paul. Thank you for listening.